Joining us on the Harbor One Hotline from the Boston Herald, it is Patriots beat writer Andrew Callahan. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. So I have to ask because we talked a couple hours ago and we're going to jump right into it uh, starting with you. What is the deal with all the starters sitting out? There's only three preseason games now. So why is Bill sitting all these guys? And in particular, why is he sitting Cole Strange? <laughs> Good question, Mego. Good to be on with you guys. Um, Cole Strange is a mystery to me, but my sense is that the offense is not in the place where they're ready to roll this out, knowing that they're only, they would only do this for a series or two anyway. So in their mind, joint practices are going to be much more valuable next week against the Panthers. If they can tweak things or finding things until then, that's what they're going to do, and they're going to give all these rookies and guys who might not even make the roster their best chance tonight to show that. You know, Andrew, we, we brought that point up as one of the options. The other one is I remember talking to Bill, you know, and he didn't he, he liked the four games, you know, preseason because he always talked about the bottom of the roster, right? It's hard to look at these guys. So the other option was, you know, he wants to look at these, these other guys he doesn't know much about, and with only three games, this is an opportunity to sort of find out what he has. Could that be it as well? Yeah, no question about it. And I actually just uh, – I'm, I'm not even in the stadium yet. I'm outside in the parking lot because I just caught up with Al Groh former Patriots assistant, father of macro, now their head of personnel. And he was talking about it this time last year, you know, way back in the day, 30 years ago, they would have had 20 padded practices done already. So Belichick, of course, is going to want to have as much of that experience and that film to go through. But right now they've only had five. And that includes the stadium practice they had last Friday, which was really hardly a practice. It was a scrimmage of 50%. So you're absolutely right. They want to look at the bottom of the roster, guys. Guys who play special teams that on the outside we don't pay a whole lot of attention to but are really going to change, you know, what they're going to do on cutdown day because of performances like they'll have tonight. Andrew, do you feel like, uh, I mean, you said that they, they've only had those padded practices. I mean, is there any sense that they're kind of behind their usual schedule or doing things at a different pace? Because, you know, I've seen a couple reports and on how they're doing things a little bit differently. And Christian with us has said that, you know, it seems a little bit of a different pace than when he was there. Are you getting the sense of any of that? Yeah, it's absolutely a different pace, and it's way different from, you know, when Christian was here, right? Because he was at the tail end of the, the two-a-day era that I just referenced, where at this point he'd have 20 padded practices. The biggest thing for me is that they've just gone without a goal line period through the first two-plus weeks of practice. And a lot of this comes down to the Sworn-Stein stuff. Belichick himself said this is the healthiest the Patriots have ever been at this point in the year, and a lot of that is just due to a lack of hitting. So personally, I would have at least one goal line period before I'm about to go into a game just so those guys know what the package looks like and who's out there and how you're going to line up and all those different things. But I think what you've seen is their sports science department really have a bigger influence in how they're going through training camp because ultimately when you get to week one, you don't want to be like a team like the Eagles that has already got 12 guys who are either going to start or be second string that are banged up and not practicing in their preseason game. The guys tonight are not playing because the Patriots don't want them to, not because they're unavailable. Andrew, what's up, man? It's Tyler Devitt. I want to ask you a question about the guys who do not get the day off, the coaching staff. What are you looking forward to from the staff? Does it matter to you whether Matt Patricia is on the sideline, up in the booth? Like, What are you expecting from, I guess, the offensive staff in particular tonight? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if Matt Patricia is going to be the one calling plays, to me, he has to be down on the sideline. Also, because even if he's not in charge of the offensive line, which I think at this point, if Patricia is calling plays, a lot of those offensive line duties will fall to Billy Yates' assistant. But you've got to have communication with your quarterback. And this is a very young relationship. You need as much face time as anyone in any kind of new relationship needs at the start to realize how is this going to go. Because if it's going to go poorly, maybe Bill does need to call plays. Or you put more on Joe Judge's plate. Or you send Patricia to go you know, be in charge of the offensive line 
from start to finishing games. You just don't know yet. So I'm looking at that dynamic. What is Patricia doing? Yay, of course, when the offense is on the field, but no one it's not. Is he with the offensive line? Is he more with Mac? Where's Belichick going to be? Because he used to just turn his back to the offense and let Josh McDaniels run the show and he worked with the defense. But we know that's not going to happen tonight. A quick follow-up to that. If Patricia is up in the booth, is he still able to be in Mac's ear up until that 15-second deadline where it's turned off? Or does he have to be on the sideline to do that and have that capability? No, you can be anywhere in the field. They, you know, you just okay. have a designated headset that goes to the quarterback, and the timer cuts off. But you could be you could be on the sideline or up on up in the press box for all I care. Mm-hmm. All right, we're talking to Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald. You would like that, hey, Andrew. I think a lot of people want to look at the rookies, right? But to me, it's like I still want to look at guys I still consider rookies, and that goes back to the twenty-one class and one guy in twenty twenty. Guys like Anthony Jennings, Cam McGrone, Josh Bledsoe, Ronnie Perkins. What what have you seen so far from this group that we've heard a lot about? Waiting to see more from them. What do you expect from them tonight? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the 2020 guys because I've talked to them a lot the last couple of weeks, and my point has been, you feel like you're finally getting a real shot here, right? Because their rookie season was COVID. Then last year, guys are still testing for COVID, and there's not as much contact, and they're going, this is the first real training camp. But they all kind of they kind of smirk and go, you're right, but I can't say that out loud because it sounds like an excuse. And you know there's nothing more aside from the Jets that the Patriots hate around here than excuses. So, yes, Anthony Jennings is the top of my list. Josh Uche is the top of my list. Some of the 2021 guys I'm a little bit lower on because Ronnie Perkins and Cameron McGrone have just continuously run with the scout team. I, I think they'll see a lot of runs tonight, but they won't start. And then you look at a guy like Josh Fledger, who you mentioned. He had five pass breakups in the first two days of training camp. He's been very quiet since, but he's still running with the starters. He's probably third on my list after the 2020 guys I mentioned who changed Jennings. Uh, Andrew, kind of big picture question. So we've been talking so much about the offense, hearing from all of you guys down in Foxborough about how they're implementing so many new schemes and everything else. So then Monday is a horrible practice for the offense by all accounts. Now it sounds like potentially they don't even want to put their starters on the field for a couple of snaps because the offense isn't there yet. Do you think that we will reach a point in this preseason where Bill decides to just scrap it? That the install is taking too long, it's not working out, maybe. And, and if that's the case, when would that be? Yes, and I asked people within the team this week, you know, again, hypothetically, what do you think if you ever got to this point? And they said, look, if Carolina comes in here and kicks our ass all over the place and they've got some guys in their defensive front that can really move people, and, and you're talking about Pro Bowl caliber talent, then we've got problems. And we know Bill is not going to waste any time trying to solve those problems, including scrapping probably some of the new stuff they're trying to install. I don't think it'll be a total uprooting of this playbook, which, you know, to varying degrees, depending on who you talk to, it's new or it's just streamlined. It's somewhere in the middle. But absolutely, they'll make necessary changes if after almost four weeks of practice, including joint practices and two preseason games, this isn't working, because they're going to go against the Raiders team in Vegas next week that knows them very well. Those practices probably aren't going to go great, but you need to know at least what you're running before then, and then, of course, the season opener on September 11th. Uh, Andrew Callahan joins us here on WEI. I want to ask you a non-preseason um, game question here. Uh, a news story out of Chicago was linebacker Roquan Smith. He asked for a trade, obviously a first-round pick um, out of uh, Georgia, but could the Patriots get involved with this, either a guy in a one-year rental on the final year of his rookie deal or a long-term fit? Do you see Roquan Smith being pursued at all by Bill Belichick and the Patriots via trade? No, I don't think so, because part of that is got to give a compensation to get him right. They're, they're not low on assets right now, but in terms of young, controllable players you're going to give up, they don't have many of those that I think other teams would covet, even the Bears with the lowly roster they have, or it's going to be draft capital. And the Patriots need to continue drafting like they have, at least in 2021, maybe in this recent draft, to rebuild the roster. Like, you can't go into free agency and just spend 
ungodly gobs of money every year like they did in 2021. You need to build through the draft. Secondly, it's going to be the contract that he wants. The Patriots do not pay top-end money for inside linebackers. Even look at the roster now. Jawan Bentley came back for two years, $9 million. Raekwon McMiller was a one-year flyer. They re-signed him. He's cheap. Mac Wilson's in the last year of his deal, but he was a fifth-round pick. So they, they go cheap at the position, guys that fit their system first and second down, and then let the safeties take over on third down. So I don't think they're going to give him big money or, or really take a long look there. Andrew, James White retiring this morning. Um, I don't think anybody's really counting on him, you know, for this Patriots team, uh, I think, as it was. But you tell me, how do they make up for that? Who steps in? There's a lot of intriguing names, but who do you think it is? How do they do it? Yeah, so I just finished writing about this at the Herald, and honestly, this plan, Lou, has been in motion for months. You go back to March when James White resigned. It was a two-year deal, $5 million. Only 500000 of that was guaranteed. So that told yeah. me right away that they're not banking on him, just as we've seen throughout camp. Then what happened was they told Ramondre Stevenson, we want you to focus on pass catching and pass blocking. Of course, what does that? A third down back. So he's been really in that role, taking all of the second reps behind Damian Harris in these passing periods. And he's got 14 catches, which is not near the top, but it's close in terms of all of his teammates. And that's including three practices that he's missed. So it's going to be Stevenson, I think, on third down. Ty Montgomery is kind of looming as this hybrid slide receiver slash running back. But that's a guy who hasn't had 300 offensive yards since 2018. So I don't think you're counting on him. I think it's going to be Stevenson. And then you've got guys like J.J. Taylor, yes for you, Mega, and uh, Pierre Strong kind of battling it out behind Stevenson. So, Andrew, you've been hearing a lot about Tyquan Thornton, uh, partially from, partly from our uh, friend in common, Tommy Curran, talking about how good he's looked in camp, how much he's progressed. Uh, he will see him tonight. What do you think he has to prove to maybe be on the 53, the practice squad, what have you? I think there are two things, one of which is he's got to be able to get off the line, and that's not just against press coverage, which is going to be a problem for him as a 6'2 dude who's just 100. 75, 180 pounds soaking wet, uh, but also his release package. Like, is he just going to have the same jab move off the line? Is he going to be able to swat with his hands? And then the second thing is just to play stronger through his route. Because, again, he's a, he's a very skinny dude. He's very fast. He's got good fall skills. He can get downfield in a hurry. But you can slow him down in the first 5 to 10 yards. So how does he battle through that contact, not only initially, but also as the route develops? And I'll tell you, the staff is very happy with him, but they're holding their breath because there was a rookie receiver here once who dominated one-on-ones like Tyquan Thornton has. That rookie receiver is now in Chicago with a bum ankle and probably out eight weeks. So yeah. this is not the Nikhil Harry Spearance 2.0, but I think tonight is going to be very telling because he, he has had a good camp. He's Andrew Callahan. He's joining us on the Harbor One Hotline. He's from the Herald. Andrew, one of the guys everybody expected. We look at these weapons to expect to have a breakout season. Everybody kept talking about Kendrick Bourne. And we saw a stat. He had eight receptions with Mac Jones, really low on the totem pole. What have you seen from Kendrick Bourne? Um, are you expecting a breakout, and is he just the involvement maybe hasn't been there, or am I missing that? No, he's really faded the last week or so, and I'm, not, I'm even going before Monday. You're talking about the last seven, eight days in these team periods, and so is Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker at least came out and had three catches on Tuesday in a padded practice, but Kendrick Bourne was the steadiest of the veteran wide receivers, three or four catches a day, and I think he's had four in the last seven, eight days. So he's just disappeared. Some of it is he's not been able to get off press coverage. He's had a drop here or there. Even at one-on-ones, it hasn't been totally impressive. And look, like, you know, you had bad stretches of practice in games back when you were playing, and obviously we're crossing sports here. But I think sometimes that just happens to guys. I think Bourne is still headed for a solid season. But this idea that he was going to be a 1,000-yard receiver as someone who just had a career season at 800 
was always going to be a little far-fetched. So you want to see him bounce back. I don't think he'll play tonight. But next week, just like for everybody else, is going to be a big week against Carolina in the joint practice and then the preseason game for him. A question for you, Andrew. Here on the show, the five members have drafted an undrafted Uh, free agent. uh, And the loser or losers, anyone who does not make the roster, that person must serve a punishment, which I believe we're going to eat like a hot chip or something like that. It's the one chip challenge. Uh, Mego probably has the worst one so far. And Jeremiah Farms, the the guy from Friends University. It might be hard to hear because the Jeremiah Farms hype train just went by. Yes, just left the building. Um, how many you, up, how, how many undrafted Hi. guys do you see making the Patriots roster? Is LeBron Ray the only one? What are you seeing from that that uh, eighteen year streak, which is looking to become nineteen now? Yeah, so I said on my podcast last week I would set the over under four and a half, which which sounds high, and it what? is even for the Patriots. But I would Whoa. come down probably to three and a half at this point because you've you've heard a lot of hype and a lot of roster projections. Brendan Schooler, the undrafted kid, played safety at Texas. Automatic with a bullet. I've heard that. Yes, let's go. I'd love to hear that. They still, they still need to see a little bit more from him. And I think that's where tonight is going to be big. Like, this is stuff that we watch at training camp and know at home really cares about. But he was the personal protector on the punt team on Tuesday. And that's a big role. Like, again, they had three block punts last year. So they're not going to mess around with that position. If he can't handle it, he might not be on the roster. But I think LeBron Ray is absolutely in there. You look at a guy like Cody Russ, he's the backup center. He could make the team. I mentioned Schooler. And then Demarcus Mitchell, who's a pass yes. rusher, plus the course okay, team guy at wait, Purdue. What about Jeremiah Farms, yes. though? Aren't You've you named all of our guys have. except for Megos. Aren't you, like, super high on Jeremiah Farms? Nope, not at all. Yeah? Well, Mega, <laughs> if, if you're going to pick him, you got to go with the nickname Big Pharma. But secondly, I, I think you got to get hurt for him to miss the team. Yeah. So it's, uh, like it. it's you're looking oh, at a long time. I just get all the milk in the house, whatever you need to do to survive that, that hot chip because it's coming. You know what? I'm Big sick of this pharma. guy. Can we get him off the phone? Andrew? All right, Andrew? Yeah, I'm sick She's, of him. Really she used to like you, Andrew. Now, now you're dropping Big Pharma bombs on her. Like, now she hates you. I, I think his info is crap, honestly. I don't know. <laughs> I just we'll missed my guy, Corey. He's down here at pregame. I'm going to have to go get a, a water or maybe adult beverage with him soon. All right. There you go. Well, thank you so much for joining us. That's Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald. Hey, Andrew, where can we check out your work besides the Boston Herald and bostonherald.com? Yeah, thanks, Mega. You can find me always on Twitter, anything from the podcast, which is Pat's Interference, uh, at underscore Andrew Callahan on Twitter. Everything's there. So one, uh, one-stop one shopping. All right. All right thank is. you. Andrew Callahan, 